0: And now, here's your host. Hey everyone, it's Dave. Welcome to another edition of Dave's Disney View Podcast. Well, it's kind of funny. I went on vacation, and uh, before I did, I put out a podcast that I answered some of your questions. And I said, hey, if you have more questions, please reach out and let me know. And you did in spades. There were a lot of questions that came in. And so when I got back from vacation, I was trying to answer as many of them as I could. I answered some while I was away. But then I put out the podcast about vacation, and I thought I'd circle around again and answer some more of your Disney-related questions. It's always fun to try and help people out in their vacation planning and answer some general questions. Maybe it helps you to decide how to plan your trip. So today's podcast is some more Disney questions for you and my answers to them. The first question comes to us from someone who calls herself Merida. My family, that's my husband, daughter, and myself, and my in-laws are going to Walt Disney World next spring break, and we're staying at two different resorts. We're staying at the DVC members as DVC members at the Copper Creek Villas, and my father in law is a retired military, so he and my mother in law are staying at the Shades of Green. My in laws are purchasing the military discount park tickets for all of us. Hey, that's awesome. Congratulations on that. We'd like to plan our trips so our fast passes and dining reservations are done as one party. Can I link my in laws to my? Uh, my Disney experience profile and book their fast passes and ADRs along with our, and that's advanced dining reservations, by the way, for those of you not in the know of the uh, nomenclature there along with ours, even though we are at two different resorts. I'm considered the Disney expert of the family and the logistics of this one has me a little stumped, especially with the military ticket aspect. Any help or insight would be appreciated. Thank you. Well, the good news is yes, you can link them all up. All you have to do is get all the, all the ticket information and put it into my Disney experience If, in fact, they have to purchase them uh, when they get there, then you have to wait and you'd have to do all your bookings while you're there. The advanced dining reservations are easier. You can just go ahead and book up the advanced dining reservations through the My Disney Experience app. You don't need to necessarily have it linked up to anything else. You can book those separately. So you could go ahead and do those today. That's no problem. You can just go through and add the uh, dining reservations. The um, FastPass Plus is you'll have to wait and do those uh, once you have the ticket information. You'll just book them up through there and you can link everybody's account together so you can do them all in by Disney Experience and get them all going. It's actually pretty easy. You just need the uh, ticket number once they have the physical ticket in hand. Uh, you just need to put the ticket number in there or scan it if you happen to have access to it and then you can just put it right into the app and then you can assign it a name and then you can add them as uh, FastPasses to it. Alternatively, if you, um, if you want to, you could keep them separate and uh, you could work together as a family to try to figure out what things you're gonna do. So say perhaps you and your husband wanna do something, but your daughter doesn't and she'd rather do something with your in-laws. You could put her on their account if you wanted to do it that way, but it's probably more complicated. Much easier to just put them all on the same account, link them together and uh, do it through your app and have some fun with it. Um, so that way you can pick and choose the things that you wanna do. It works out fairly simply, uh, You can you can make it work. Um, it's really not that hard uh, You really just have to go through and, and just link them that, That's it And then once you've got them linked uh, you, can, you can go ahead and do everything you want to do Now, keep in mind that the window to book the FastPass Plus experiences For you as a DVC member If you have your tickets Is a longer window than the 60 days But because you're buying the military tickets I believe you're going to have to uh, live within the 60 day window Which is still good You can still get a lot of stuff done And pick some things you want to do Remember that in the My Disney Experience app or at a kiosk, if you feel like you want to stop by a kiosk, you can always update or change those. So you may book some things. You may not like what you booked. You may want something else, but always go back to the app and keep looking for other openings. People change their things they want to do all the time. So all you have to do is just keep going back in the app or going to the kiosk and looking through to see what else is there. And, of course, you can only book the three, but as soon as those three are gone, you can start booking other ones. So... Go ahead and you know, keep that in mind. Maybe there's some other experience you want to have, and you, you can pick and choose the things you want to do. And depending on the park you're in, certain times of day may be better and more conducive to standing in the standby line rather than getting a fast pass for it. You may choose to not do a fast pass, let's say, for It's a Small World, but you might want one for Peter Pan because of the way the lines work in both of those rides, and they're right across from each other. So you kind of have to keep that in mind as you're thinking about it. If you're the expert, you have a sense of which ones you want to do and which ones have the longer queues. And some of the queues are nicer and they're indoors and you know, or undercover and cooler, and that makes a difference too. So you kind of want to think about that as you're, as you're planning for it. Since you're not going until spring break next year, that would be like March next year-ish, you, uh, you'll be looking at January as about the time you can start to do your planning. So you've got a little time to start thinking about the attractions you want to see. You know, I always like to tell people, Put the things on your must-do list. Everybody will have at least one or two must-do things they want to do. So put those on your list. Then put some things you'd like to do on your list. Everybody has one or two things that they like to do. And then from there, it's all the other things that anybody would want to do. So it's sort of the must-haves, the uh, want-to-do, and then the like-to-do. And if you put those together, you'll come up with a nice list of things that you can do every day, and everybody gets to experience something they want. Now, if you want to focus on your daughter only, you might just pick those things that she would really like. And I'm sure your, your in-laws would be happy to accommodate their granddaughter. So, you know, that's the way you have to kind of consider it. Just think about the things that everybody would like to do and pick those things. And as I say, the dining reservations are easier because you can just plan those in advance. So then you plan your fast passes around it. Now, if you do the dining reservations and your fast pass times come up at the same time, that limits you a little bit. But it does give you the dining reservations that you would want because you can book those up to 180 days in advance. So you can start booking those uh, toward the end of this year. So I hope that kind of answered your question. It's just, it's pretty simple. It's just about linking the accounts. Someone who goes by the name of Bowen asked me, we're heading to the world in a week or so. We're staying at the Boardwalk Villas and want to check out Toy Story Land. Have you seen it? What are the wait times like? One of the days shows an early magic at Hollywood Studios starting at about 7 a.m. Are they still letting people in early? What's my best bet for getting there and do the boats run that early? Thank you. Okay, so let's back up a little bit. I'll try and uh, answer each one of these questions. Have I seen it yet? I have not. Uh, A friend of mine went for opening day, and uh, he made the mistake of getting there at 8 o'clock, and they had opened at 7, and the line just to get into Toy Story Land was, I think he said it was somewhere between 6 and 7 hours just to get into Toy Story Land much less doing anything there. So, the typical kind of opening new thing sort of thing that happens there. Now, I have heard very good things about it. It's well themed, but remember there's really only the two attractions there. So, it's just two new things plus of course Toy Story Midway Mania. So, it's you know, you kind of have to choose what you want to do and how much time you want to spend there and the things you want to do. If you can get fast passes for it, all the better. The lines are still long from what I gather. I was looking at the app myself just uh, recently. And I noticed that, you know, at certain times a day, they'd go down a little bit to like two hours, two and a half hours for like the Slinky Dog Dash, but still a pretty significant wait time. Not quite like Avatar, but, you know, similar kinds of waits in terms of they're long, right? And you have to wait for something that's a fairly short attraction. And, you know, it's Slinky Dog Dash. It's, you know, look at Goofy's Barnstormer and you've got something that's similar. Uh, cuter and differently themed, but similar kind of thing. So as far as that goes, uh, you know, it's still long wait times. If you feel like you want to check it out, I would. And since they open at 7, if it says they open at 7, then I'm sure they do. Uh, I imagine that they're still letting people in early on select days to try and get there and uh, get people in. Uh, What's your best bet for getting there? Well, the great part is from the uh, Boardwalk Villas, you can actually walk to Hollywood Studios. It's a very short walk. It's 10 minutes tops. I do it all the time. I love walking back and forth between like the area that's in the, uh, by the boardwalk, and walking over to uh, Hollywood Studios. It's just a pleasant walk. You just walk along the waterway there, and you are like you come up where the buses are, and then you just walk right in the park. It's, it's great. It's a really pleasant walk. You could start walking at like 6.30, be there at about 6.45, and then be there in, in plenty of time to get there for rope drop at 7. So that would uh, work out pretty well. Now, as far as the boats go, they do have the boats that run back and forth between all of the resorts that are there on the lake, Epcot, and the Hollywood Studios. They run approximately 45 minutes before the park opens. So if the park opens at 7, they'll start running about 6.15. So you can keep that in mind, and you can use the boats. The boats, depending on the order of the run and where you get on it exactly, you have to kind of go through the whole cycle. I can't remember the exact um, destinations they go to, but it's like, it, I can't remember the exact order they go to them. But I'm pretty sure it's Hollywood Studios, then the Boardwalk Villas. No, wait, it's Hollywood Studios then over to the Yacht Club, then over to the Boardwalk Villas, then Epcot, if I'm not mistaken. So you'd have to wait. You'd have to go through the cycle of Epcot and then back around to get to it. So not so bad, but just keep that in mind. It'll probably take you, instead of the 15-minute walk, it'll probably take you 20 to 25 minutes to get there. Just the nature of the way the boats run and how the order they run in. So you have to kind of keep that in mind. Not a huge deal, but... You might want to be there at around 6:15 when they open and of course you can ask at the concierge when you check in what time the boats start running. They'll tell you and they'll give you any updated information about when the park opens. They may even be able to give you a tip or two about how to get in and where to go exactly. Someone calling herself Tinkerbell says, "Today is our fast pass day. Yay!" I was just wondering, one day we have fast passes to the Magic Kingdom for earlier in the day. The last one is scheduled between 11:50 and 12:50. My question is that once we use the last Fast Pass, are we allowed to book a bonus pass for another park or does it have to be the Magic Kingdom? So, the way the Fast Pass Plus system works is you go in and you select your three for the day for the park that you want to go to. So, if you want to go to the Magic Kingdom, you would select your three Fast Pass Pluses. And then, as soon as you've used that last one, you can go ahead and book another Fast Pass, and it can be for any of the parks. So if you want to park hop and go over to say Epcot and ride Frozen Ever After because there happened to be a Fast Pass Plus available there, you can do that. It just has you can't book it until after you've used up your three, and you can't book one in another park as long as you still have any active in a single park. So if I went to the Magic Kingdom and I said, okay, I only want to use the two Fast Passes in the Magic Kingdom, and my next Fast Pass is at two o'clock in the Magic Kingdom, and I want I see something that maybe I could go over to Epcot at eleven. You can't do that because you have to use the two in the Magic Kingdom first. You'd have to give up the ones in the Magic Kingdom then just go rebook them. So because you've got them all early in the day, you can go ahead and book one for any park for later in the day. So say you see something at uh, maybe Frozen Ever After at 4 o'clock. You could could collect that one or Soarin', let's say. Or you could go over to the studios. Maybe Toy Story Midway Mania comes up earlier uh, at a later time. You could grab that as well. So you can pick the park you want to go to. You can just pick, now it's just one at a time. You can't pick any more than one, and it's just what's available at that point, what inventory is available. So, you know, you want to kind of think it through. I will also give you a tip, something that I've done in the past, and this kind of relates back to my first question as well. When you're going through your FastPass Plus selections, if you're a group of one or two or maybe even three, it's really not so bad. You can almost always find accommodations at a time you're looking for. Uh, as you pick, as you book another fast pass throughout the day or you book one that you book one that you hadn't booked, maybe you weren't sure what you were going to do. So you go ahead and you book you book them. 1 2 sometimes 3 are easy to find. Beyond 3 it gets harder. So sometimes what you have to do is you have to break up a little bit. I've done this before where I go in the app and I say, "Okay, myself, two of my kids, we're going to book a, a fast pass plus for some attraction." And we look for it. And I leave the other two people off because we're a party of five in our, my family. We leave the other two off, and we go ahead and the three of us pick a fast pass we want to do. And you go, "Okay, eh, that'll work. That time works." Then you take the other two and you go back into the app again, and you look for a similar time to see if there's a party of two available. And it may not be available at exactly the same time. So, supposing your fast pass time was 11:50 to 12:50 for the first group, the next one available might be 12:30 to 1:30. So that means you can all go over there at 12.30, 12.45, and you can all ride the attraction at that point. That works. Because they give you that one-hour window, sometimes you can find a little flexibility in finagling the system. And I say sometimes, because Disney is always updating their FastPass system. They're always making adjustments to it. There are little changes to it and tweaks. So sometimes it'll work and sometimes it won't. But it's worth a try. And sometimes, too, if you stop by the kiosk and you talk to a cast member that's there, they may have a couple of tips and tricks that work that day that may help you along. So that's always a possibility too. You could always just go find out what other things you might be able to to do to kind of finagle your way in. So you you just kind of have to play with it a little bit until you find something you like. Now, in my family too, the other thing is, I don't ride roller coasters and one of my kids doesn't ride roller coasters, but everyone else, the other three love them. So sometimes what we'll do is we'll just go ahead and book a fast pass for the three of them to ride the roller coaster. And that leaves the other two fast passes open to do something else, right? So we'll pick and choose things to do as a family so I get them something at, say, 1150 to 1250 to go ride Expedition Everest. And at the same time, we decide we're going to go over and ride on something else. Can't even think of what we might ride on at the, at the Animal Kingdom at the moment. That's kind of odd. Um, but anyway, uh, Kilimanjaro safaris, let's say, because we might enjoy that one. So we'll pick that one as it, at around the same time, and we'll split up for an hour, and then we'll meet back up somewhere. So it works out pretty well. It's kind of a clever way to do that. If you want different experiences, so you kind of keep that in mind too, and you can all do this all through the my Disney Experience app because when you start to select your fast passes it's a, they ask you who is going to have this experience, and you pick the people you want to have, and then you can go back and pick the other people and see if you can find something too. One little tip a cast member gave me uh, a while ago was sometimes you pick a fast pass that maybe you don 't want, so you want to ride on Kilimanjaro safaris but you can't find it. But you do see Cali River Rapids. So you grab the Cali River Rapids. Then you go back in and say, I want to change my experience rather than selecting a new experience. And sometimes the old one, the Kilimanjaro Safaris, might show up on the list if you want to change it. I don't know if that still works, but it was a good tip and it worked for me a couple of times. It's worth playing in the app a little bit to see if you can find something that you might want to do. Someone named Robin says, I thought I saw something about being able to buy a Pearl at Epcot. And there was a little show that goes along with it. My daughter's 10th birthday is coming up and we'll be in the park that day. Can you tell me what this is, where it is, and about what it costs? Do you think my daughter might like it? So, the answer to that question is yes, I can tell you. In the Epcot, in the Japan Pavilion at Epcot, there's a Pick a Pearl experience. It's in the Mitsukoshi store if you kind of go in the front door that faces out toward the uh the promenade. You go right in there, you walk about a third of the way back, and on your left-hand side, you'll see there's like a tank with uh, oysters. And you go in there, and you, uh, you can actually pick a pearl, and you, you actually go and pick an oyster you want. They will pull it out, they will open it, and they will give you the pearl to take home that uh, you, can then, you can then call your own. They'll size it for you, they'll tell you what color it is, and they'll give you an approximation on you know, how valuable it is. And there's a little ceremony that goes along with it, and it's fun. They do some fun things while they're doing it. You know, everybody's like hooting and hollering, and they're playing a drum, and they're having some fun kind of doing it as they open it up and show you the pearl. And it's really pretty cool. It's very cute, um, and I think probably your 10-year-old daughter would love it. It costs about $16, give or take, for the pearl. You, uh, you pay at the register, and then they, you get to pick the pearl you want, the oyster you want. You never know what's going to be inside, but you get it. And that's just for the pearl. Now, you have the pearl you can take home. They give it to you in a bag. Now, if you want, you can purchase a little jewelry to go with it. They have different settings and rings and necklaces and things that you can put it in. So you can pick out something that you like. And those, those are an additional cost. But it's, you know, effectively nominal given that you're spending the $17 on the, on the pearl, $16, $17 on the pearl that you have, the, um, you have this extra piece of jewelry, maybe it's a necklace or something, and they're not that expensive, they're not prohibitively expensive, it's maybe another 10 12 bucks and they set it in there for you, and then you've got a nice little souvenir to take home. Now, of course, you can just take the Pearl home and have it set at your local jeweler too, might be cheaper, but it's not the same as getting it at Disney. But it's a really fun experience. And it's, it's one of those things, even if you don't buy the Pearl, I highly recommend walking by and watching it and watching someone else do it. Because it's really kind of fun. You you just sit there, and there's a little charm to it. The way they do it, um, you know, there's a little ceremony that goes along with it, and they make a big deal of it. And they, yeah, everybody's special, right? Each one of the kids or the adults who purchases the pearl uh, has a little experience there, and it's fun to watch them open it. And you never know what you're going to get. Could be a very large one that's more sought after in in some sense, or it could be something that's really small and you know just just precious to you. But it's a really fun experience, and I do really recommend doing that. It's it's a uh, It's something that's just one of those fun things to do. And finally, I have a message from Kate. I'm planning a trip, and I can't make up my mind if my 8-year-old son will have more fun doing the Sorcerers of the Magic Kingdom or Agent P's adventure in Epcot. I'm sure he'd enjoy them both, just can't decide which one one he'll like more. I think you're right. (laughs) He'll probably enjoy them both. I think they're both kind of fun. Now, Sorcerers of the Magic Kingdom is a little less fun in some ways because it's not so interactive. You're just standing there and you're doing something and you're, you know, you're waving your, your cards at the, at the screen and you're doing stuff and the screens change. And it's clever and it's cute, but it doesn't have that, I don't know, there's no oomph behind it. The Agent P experience is a blast. It is so much fun. My kids love that. We tried Sorcerers of the Magic Kingdom. They were kind of like ambivalent about it. It's like, okay, that's nice. But the Agent P experience, they want to do it every single time they go. Even my older ones want to do it because it's fun. It's interactive. There's something happening. You're watching the storyline from Phineas and Ferb kind of play out. So there's Agent P and there's Doofenshmirtz and there's uh, Carl and Major Monogram. and They're all there. And they're telling you a story and you're helping Agent P solve a problem. And then there's a... In most cases, there's a uh, – not an audio-animatronic, but a, uh, a replica of one of the characters who comes out and does something, so you see him do something. And it's very cute the way they do it. So like over by Japan, uh, Agent P comes out on a boat. Over in Germany, uh, Smurfs is running around the Glockenspiel. Uh, you know, Lots of other places. There's a lot of different things that they do, and it's just fun. It's just – there's a certain interactivity to it that makes it kind of fun and, and engaging in a way. And uh, there's no sign-up required. You can go. There's still one kiosk for the Agent P Experience. It's over uh, by the World Showcase entrance uh, between Future World and World Showcase. So you can go there and do it, or you can just go online. In the My Disney Experience app, there's a link to go directly to the uh, Agent P um, adventure. And you can actually go to it directly on the web, too, and I'll put a link to it in my show show notes page. But you can go directly in there, And uh, go after it. It's kind of fun. You can just go pick it up and uh, just circle around the, the, the World Showcase Lagoon and pick the places you want to go. And every time I see kids doing it, they're having fun. Not that they're not having fun in the Sorcerers of the Magic Kingdom, but every time I see them in World Showcase, they're just having a great time because they're engaged and they're immersed. And I know Phineas and Ferb hasn't been on TV in a while, so it kind of loses a little bit of luster, but it's still a lot of fun. It's very engaging. So that'd be my recommendation. That's the one I think your son will enjoy more, but that's just my personal opinion. You may find that your mileage may vary a little bit, but I would suggest you try them both. And if you get bored with it, they're both free. So if you get bored with it, you just move on. There's also a pirate's adventure over in um, Frontierland. I'm sorry. (laughs) There's also a pirate's adventure over in Adventureland that you can take on, and that's kind of fun too. It's a little different, but it's a similar kind of thing where you're interacting and doing some things. And uh, it's kind of fun. You're going around in this little pirate's adventure over there. So, kind of something kind of fun. Again, it's free and uh, it's just included with your park admission. So, you could try that out too. Well, there you go. I hope I've answered some of your questions, some more of your questions that have come in. And as always, please keep those questions coming. It's davesdisneyview at gmail.com. Always happy to answer your questions. Park planning, having some fun, whatever it might be. If I know the answer, I'll tell you, or at least I'll give you my opinion. Um, so, there, there you go. Well, that's my show for this week. I hope you've enjoyed it. And remember, if we can dream it, we can certainly do it. Bye now.
1: Thank you for tuning in to the Disney View podcast. We hope you had a pleasant stay and arrive home safely. Please remain seated until your ride vehicle stops completely. Then, gather your personal belongings and step out onto the moving platform. And yes... I know it went by so quickly, but don't worry. One of the nice things about traveling on this podcast is that the journey is just beginning. Show notes are available on DisneyWorldPodcast.net. While there, please check out some of our affiliates. You'll also find links to Dave's iPhone and iPad apps. There's an app for pin trading